Welcome to Leveling Up, where you'll learn from leading experts in talent development and explore how leaders in some of the world's most successful businesses approach employee development, manager training, and more. Please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also listen on our website at levelingup.co. I'm Chelsea and I'm here from Marlowe and we have a very special day today because our guest is also named Chelsea, not to add any extra confusion. Chelsea Nelson, who's with us today, and she is the HR manager at Columbus Pool Management. And I was really taken away by her story on how they work with their large influx groups of team members and the trainings that they do, even though they seasonally rotate out their team. Um, So I'm really excited to hear more about their trainings today, get to share it all with you, and hopefully you can all take some great lessons learned. So Chelsea, without further ado, I'll let you introduce yourself a bit more and the topic we'll be covering. Great. Thanks, Chelsea. Um, That is going to get confusing, huh? Yeah. So um, like she said, I'm Chelsea. I work with Columbus School Management. This is my second season here now. Um, I am actually from Wisconsin, Wisconsin Dells area. That's the water park capital of the world. So I pretty much grew up around seasonal work. Everything depends on summer. It's 100 days um, wake up early in the morning, go to bed late at night. Um, so that's kind of what I'm used to, but I know it's a little bit different for other people. Um, so I worked in the Dells for uh, about six, seven years, and I went to school for hospitality and tourism management. And my boss, um, Dr. Fred Inter is actually kind of the start of everything was my boss in the Dells. And while I was going to school, he moved to um, Columbus, Ohio to get started in this business. And when I graduated, I you know, came down here to explore everything. So um, I am the HR manager for our seasonal pool company. It's like a swimming pool. Um, we do everything besides build them. So we do construction. I do all the um, hiring, admin HR, conversations, paperwork, whatever it may be. So that's kind of how I got started here. And um, yeah, today, I think the main goal is pretty much just to talk about work in a seasonal environment. So how we kind of, you know, are successful with our training procedures and keep our, I, I refer to everybody as kids because I just take care of them in the summer and send them back to school in the fall. Um, so how we take care of our kids and how we train them, develop them, and get them coming back year over year. Awesome. Thanks so much, Chelsea. Yeah. And, you know, as I mentioned earlier, one of the reasons we were so excited to bring you on today is you have developed with your boss a really impressive training program uh, that most companies that I talk to aspire to do so. So we're really excited to learn from you. Can you tell me more about why it was important to you and your team to develop this program? Um, this program we have found in the past... Um, no matter where you go, no matter where you work, people want to be invested in. So we're working with 15, 16, 17 year olds. And if you don't give them anything in return for their time working with you, you know, the trainings give them knowledge and experience and they are taught. Um, I teach a couple, a coworker teach a couple, my boss teaches the most of them, but they can put these classes on their resume and it's just kind of cool to give them that information 
And, you know, overall, it just keeps them longer as far as in the summer, because it's August now, kids are going back to school and we're struggling to fill a couple shifts. But that also keeps us retaining employees into the future as well. Yeah, that's awesome. You're able to retain them and then give them some extra benefits by working with you. That's wonderful mm-hmm. with a resume experience. We also discussed some around um, them filling leadership roles, maybe even ad hoc if they're not formally a leader because they have this knowledge. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, so our goal with this program was to get kids thinking more in the mindsets you know, everywhere you go, people come up to you and say, I need to be a manager. I worked here for five years or um, with lifeguards. Well, I saved five people last year. Well, that's great, but we've been changing the mindset from I want to be a manager to what do I need to learn to step into that role? So these um, students, I guess, we have leadership trainings all throughout the spring. And whenever somebody submits their rehire paperwork, we send them out an invitation to go through the trainings if they want to. Um, their first year, they have three trainings they need to complete to step into a leadership role. And that's um, just general leadership and administrative portion and operations portion, just kind of getting them introduced to the idea of being a leader. So they need to cl- complete those three trainings to step into a leadership role. And uh, we tell a lot of like our assistant managers, you know, some days you're going to be lifeguarding, some days you're going to be a gate attendant, and some days you're going to be a leader. So even though people that complete these trainings may not work as a leader every single day, it still gives other employees working at the facility that day, you know, a little role model. If one of our leaders is lifeguarding that day, all the other lifeguards can see, you know, what is that leader doing? How should I be acting? How should I be lifeguarding? So like you said, even if they are just ad hoc leaders might be filling in only one or two days a week, it still boosts the whole level of the team too. Yeah, I love that. And you mentioned shifting mindsets. So moving away from just thinking these are the functional accomplishments I've made to what is it to be in the mindset of a leader? And that feels like, you know, a, a pretty important cultural shift for a lot of organizations. How did you strategically look to develop a strong culture around leadership? Um, we kind of, I guess we praise leadership a little more, I guess, if that makes sense. Um, you have to make it something special. So, you know, as a leader, you're, um, I don't know what kind of example to give. As a leader, you're more, you're eligible to work a couple extra hours this day or that day, or you can come to the leadership meetings where we have coffee and donuts or, you know, just celebrate the opportunity to, to become a leader. And uh, whenever somebody asks us, you know, what steps do I have to take to be a leader? It's, you know, go through leadership training. These are the next dates. And when these kids are 15, 16 year old, gossip gets around a bunch. So when these kids are waking up at seven in the morning to go to training, um, not only do they show their commitment, but they're showing their friends, you know, this, hey, this is kind of something serious. You know, you should jump in on the next training. So after they go through training, we touch base with their, the pool managers, the regional supervisors, you know, us in the Columbus Pool Management Office and send out a quick email and just say, hey, this person has completed leadership training. Congratulations. And then they go through a whole shadowing period so their co-workers can kind of recognize the shift in change you know this isn't you know my frontline co-worker anymore this is a leader they're actually taking the time out of their schedule to do this that's pretty cool 
And um, we do get a lot of great feedback from people that didn't go through leadership training, like, man, I should have went through it. I'm going to go through it next year just because they can see I, mm, you kind of do have to put on a little bit of a show, I guess, and kind of promote um, the trainings and the transition from frontline to um, leadership staff. And we just get good, great results. I love that. So really recognizing them when they when they go through this training to the whole team. And something that I like, you mentioned, you know, the gossip that flies with teenagers, but this is true in, in any office dynamic, right? How are you being recognized by your leaders for your accomplishments and, and your time and work you're putting into develop? So I think it's wonderful. Uh, something I'm also hearing is the level of care you put into getting them involved and making sure that they are really bought into the culture of the organization as a whole. So how are some other ways that you get them involved? I think you mentioned some activity online as well. Yeah. So in the, um, in the spring over the winter, you know, when people complete leadership trainings, I just, you know, post a little something on our company Facebook page and just say, hey, look at the, you know, list of people that just currently went through leadership training, expect to see them in a leadership position this year. Or um, even before that, just email out your staff list and say, hey, everybody that likes our Facebook page, I'm going to send out a water bottle or a drawstring bag or a free t-shirt. And that way, when you do need to send out messages on social media or emails, you already have people looking at it. And um, like, for example, over the 4th of July, we did a Facebook contest. I reached out to our managers at all the pools and say, hey, gather up all your team, you know, whoever has the best picture on Facebook and their 4th of July gear. Um, you know, we bought them coffee and donuts that morning and fruit and apples, whatever it may be. Um, but that really gave the leaders a chance to motivate their team members, team members to recognize that is a leader, you know, the leader, if we kind of work with them, we're going to get coffee and donuts and that's awesome. Um, so that's, you know, just a couple little things. It really just takes a couple minutes to do and team members really appreciate it. And it kind of helps the leaders get a foot in the door a little better too. Yeah, definitely. And I think this um, internal office communications, whether your office is more traditional or pools, can be super, super challenging. And um, something to note, too, that we've talked about, you have pretty distributed teams. Um, and it's something we're dealing with more and more in all industries, right, as we're distributing our organizations. And so I think the extra care to incentivize reading that communication that you're sending out and to get people excited to engage is, is really important. And a lot of that feels uh, that it's coming from a place of making things more personal and really getting to know those team members. And you mentioned that this starts at the interview process now. Can you tell me a bit more about how that shifted? Sure. Um, we have actually switched the interview process. We don't ask, you know, what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Um, a lot of the people that we hire, like I said, are teenagers. They haven't figured that stuff out yet. And that's our job to help them figure that out. Um, but we always start interviews off with, you know, who are you? What are you doing? What do you study? What's your favorite subject? Do you have brothers and sisters? Um, an easy part of our job is lifeguarding requires a lifeguard certification. So, on top of, you know, our training we give them, they require the technical training as well. And if they can pass the technical training portion of it, that's pretty much what 
um, qualifies them for the job, I guess. And from there, it's just getting to know them. Like, um, do you have soccer practice over the summer? Can you just work Tuesday mornings and not Tuesday nights? Whatever it may be. And as you get to know these people, they get closer and more tight knit with you as well. And, you know, there are some people that just stand out in the interview. And I know if you've done interviews, you know, those people that you can instantly say, yep, I remember them. And then when you go to the pool, just say, you know, hey, Anna, how are you doing? And um, other team members then kind of look around like, how did she remember your name? You know, Um, so we hire a little over 300 people every year and we have over 50 pools. So it gets pretty spread out. So we, you know, depend on the social media and whatnot. But um, yeah, as long as we have found, as long as you get to know the person in the interview and give them time and, you know, get to know them more than work, it it just makes a huge difference. That way when you walk up to them in the middle of the summer and say, hey, I think you'd be a great candidate for leadership training, they say, oh, okay, I get it. And it's just an easy sell from there. Yeah, I love it. And a lot of organizations now are, are starting to shift to that more behavioral interviewing where we're, you know, I- identifying what are competencies that matter to us. So for you, what does it mean to be a leader in your organization? What are certain things that indicate those leadership capabilities? And I, I love that you really, even though it's partially due to their age and experience, but you do hold yourselves accountable to helping them reach their potential, uh, which means at the interview stage, there is less of an emphasis on experience and, and more on potential, which I think could apply to so many different industries. That's wonderful. Um, I want to talk to though, your way of maintaining this personal connection after the interview process, and you have a specific trick for us there, right? Can you tell me more about 1010s? Sure. Um, my boss, Fred, developed um, a little bit of a strategy called 1010s, and you don't even have to schedule them. It's not anything that stands out. You don't have to bring anybody in the office and sit down, but just take 10 minutes, ask your leaders 10 questions, or even frontline staff too, just see how the day is going. You know, How are you doing? How's the operation? How's the facility? Do you have everything you need? What more do you need that would help you do your job better? Um, what are you seeing that could be fixed? Are you having any problems, any staffing issues, open shifts? Just normal questions that you would ask, but in a situation where it's more one-on-one. So if I have found in the past too, if you want to bring people into the office just for 1010s, it helps because it gets them more comfortable with you as well. And usually being called into the office is a bad thing. But if you, you know, just say, hey, come with me in the office for 10 minutes, it doesn't take up much of their time and you get the information you need. And a lot of these people have great ideas that they just don't know how to voice yet. And if they have these great ideas and you see potential in them, um, you know, it's a great time to invite them to leadership training, ask them how their training has affected their success that summer, how it's contributed, Um But I've had situations, too, where a manager has been short a lifeguard and has been in a lifeguard chair. And I just go up, you know, just do a quick 10-10 right there. They don't have a lot of time to talk. It only takes a few minutes, but I still get the most important information I need out of them. And then that also gives you a great opportunity to ask, you know, more about their personal life, too. What did you learn in the interview? What can you ask them about? Um, Like last year, I had a gate attendant who's 
brother um, got in a motorcycle accident at the end of August when I remembered that that happened. She was like, oh man, that was really nice. And she's back this year. So it's just one of those things that just a couple minutes can make a lot of difference in a lot of people's lives. I love that. And, you know, we can hear it in your voice and in the example you gave that there's true empathy and, and caring there. But what I love about this trick is it it puts a tangible process to something that ends up being super personal and empathetic, right? And mm -hmm. as managers, we so often forget when to check in and how to check in. And when we add structure to it, it forces us to do it on a constant basis, but it can still have this really personal level. So I think that's so wonderful. Um, can you tell me more, shifting gears a little bit, about role models and how you look to develop role models strategically through these trainings? Um, role models is, you know, like I kind of mentioned before, even if a leader isn't in a leadership position, no matter where they are in the facility at that day, people still recognize them as having gone through leadership training. And, you know, we have leadership meetings every other week and, you know, people recognize like, oh, that person got to go to leadership training this week. And when they come back, they can share the information. So we kind of help build them up as role models too. Um, but since we do work in, you know, a lifeguard industry, we have in services and we have audits and different practices for our lifeguard skills. And we let those leaders run those trainings and um, kind of demonstrate the skills. So, you know, this person is a leader. They did this skill this way. That's pretty cool. I'm going to do that too. So we have a bunch of different avenues where our people that have gone through leadership training can demonstrate their skills. And we definitely ask that they go back to their pool and, you know, have a conversation with anybody that's interested in leadership training about what you learned and how you can apply it to your pool. And um, yeah, I guess role models, whenever you come out of leadership training, people just recognize them instantly because of, you know, the culture we've built. I love that. And I think, you know, you mentioned to me before, it can happen without planning, right? After a while, people just start to mimic and uh, give off these behaviors. But, you know, we can also, as organizations, do this very intentionally. You're looking for specific technical skills. You're also looking for specific leadership behaviors. And you can really plant your team to empower others to do it. You don't need to constantly be doing it yourself. And yeah. for you, you manage, I forget how many different sites, but multiple. And so you can't be everywhere at all times. But if you have specific people planted who you know are going to mirror the behaviors you're looking for, you know, that does start to develop a culture. And sometimes we forget those small shifts can start to make a big shift in our culture over time. So I think that's so wonderful. Um, I'd love to dive more deeply into the training because it's so specific and, and detailed. So you already talked some first year leaders go through three sets of trainings and then second year leaders go through another three sets. Can you tell us more about the balance between those soft and, and hard skills and, and how you think about that when you're developing these? Sure. I think, um, just from what I have realized going out to different high schools, if, for example, I visited a high school this spring and I was talking to the guidance counselor and I said, hey, do you guys have a job fair I can attend? And she looked at me and said, what's a job fair? And I'm like, oh my gosh. So these students are going to school 
um, you know, they're learning their technical skills. They're learning, you know, facts about history and math and whatnot. But more recently than when I was in school, because I know what I learned in high school, um, but these students are not receiving training on soft skills at all. There's not, you know, a high school class for customer service or for communication. Um, so this is kind of their only opportunity to get that training. And when we go through operations training, we teach them, you know, you're going to encounter a guest with this problem and this is how you handle it. And we encourage them to make mistakes, especially on soft skills because they don't know, but every mistake is a great teaching tool. You know, you just sit down with them, recap and say, okay, how did you handle it? How could it have been handled and how are you going to do it in the future? So I know some of our trainings, like the administration portion is more technical. It's just paperwork wise, but um, in the leadership training, we teach, you know, communication, how to carry yourself. We even go as far as body language. What are you doing? You know, when you walk up to a lifeguard that's in trouble, don't cross your arms. Um, just something as little as that, but you can't discount that people already know these items because they might not. And even if they have taken classes on these, you know, it's pretty easy to forget, especially when you're in the heat of the moment. So always reinforcing those items in their trainings is very important, especially for um, younger students coming through. Yeah, I totally agree that that reinforcement at any stage and, you know, most of the people that I work with on a day to day basis may say this is a topic I've covered before. I'd love to reinforce it again. And, and wherever you are in your career, as you're shifting in different leadership or management positions, those core tenants that you're covering with them are going to evolve, right? And so it's important that we cover them again to know how they apply differently. But before moving forward, I did want to touch on one thing you said, which I just loved so much uh, about the making mistakes and the, the specific conversation that you have with someone when they make a mistake. Because what you're doing there is something that as managers is so hard to do in the moment. And we often forget, we want to say, here's the mistake you made. Here's what you should have done. And here's what you should do in the future. And I love that instead you ask the question and you make it a teachable coaching moment. What did you do? What could have you done? And what are you going to do in the future? And you give them a chance to actually think through and problem solve. Um, that's so amazing. So I had to pause on that because so often when I'm discussing with managers, you know, how do I become that coach? How do I shift off being the more authoritative manager and sort of shift my leadership style? That That is the perfect example of that. So everyone take note. Um, thank you so much, Chelsea. That's amazing. Uh, can we dive into either leadership? You already talked a little bit about communication or maybe time and stress management. I know those are two of the trainings you do. And some of the specific topics you cover? Sure, absolutely. Um, one thing I did want to mention too, I have not already in our leadership training, we go so far as, um, you know, teaching how to make a good decision. So Fred calls it the, the four G's. Is it good for staff? Is it good for your client? Is it good for the company? Is it good for business? You know, if you make a decision that you can't say yes to all four of those things, you didn't make a good decision. Um, and that's one of the things that we, you know, even if somebody is struggling with communication, you go, go through the four G's, how did you handle it? What can you do moving forward? You know, was it good for the client? Are they a little bit upset? Did you close the pool half an hour early and get a guest complaint? You know, <laughs> don't do that again. Um, 
but that's, you know, getting them to repeat the problem and how they handled it back to you after they go through the leadership training, nine and a half times out of 10, they're going to recognize their mistake before you even bring it up. So it's not even a counseling session at that point. It's them realizing, you know, you did teach me this. I do know better. And then we go into how do you handle it in the future? So our goal is to help leaders, you know, make mistakes, but recover from them without feeling like they are in trouble necessarily, um, for lack of better words, I guess. Um, So that's pretty cool. But our second round of trainings for people that have been in leadership role for a full year go through, um, we go through a lifeguard auditing training, uh, which would be specific to us. But we also go through an administrative audit, you know, when can 15 year olds work? When do they have to take a break? Um, How can you help out with payroll? Whatever it may be. And we do time and stress management as well. And the whole idea behind that training is you are going to be crunched for time and you are going to be stressed, you know, especially at the beginning of the summer when you're kicking off everything and stuff goes haywire. And then at the end of the summer, when all the kids go back to school and you have open shifts and it's okay to be stressed and it's okay to um, have emotion, but you have to plan your emotion. You know, do you need to write somebody up for being late five days in a row now that you haven't written up the first time it's okay to get angry at them because they need to know you're serious and they need to finish strong through the summer um but less so stressful but more so planning on you know i'm going to be stressed this week i'm going to go to bed early tonight i'm going to eat a good dinner i'm going to get up i'm going to eat a good breakfast and i'm going to not procrastinate on laundry at home um, just preparing people to have those feelings and letting them know it's it's normal. Uh, just make sure you handle it well and plan your emotions and don't let your emotions get the best of you. I love that. Giving them a safe space to talk about it as normal also sounds wonderful. And their parents must love you if you're telling them to do their laundry. So <laughs> yep. that's great. Um, so I want to talk a bit before we close on the results. So, you know, you wanted to initially roll this out. What have you seen since the the new trainings occurred? You know, usually we do have other companies throughout the United States and I've talked with them, their HR directors a few times. And it seems that, you know, between 40 and 50 percent retention rate is normal And even if you think about, I mean, if you run a um, retail store in the mall and over Christmas, you know, how many of the same employees are you going to get back Christmas over Christmas? And maybe about half is great. Um, But since I started here just last year, running the trainings last spring, continuing them last summer and this spring and this summer, we actually had about 88% retention rate from last year. And, um, Honestly, we had a marketing company that helped us, you know, post ads in a local newspaper and online and on Facebook and like Google AdWords and whatnot. And we didn't even use them this year, but we hired about 50 more people without a problem. And my hiring goals last year was I had to have 27 to 30 interviews every single week to meet our numbers. And we didn't pick up any new lifeguarded pools this year, but we had so many people come back. I only had to do 12 interviews a week to hit our numbers. 
So that for me was a great cost savings. I was able to, you know, spend time on some of the smaller details that needed addressed and um, get different information out to our teams a little bit faster, quicker, um, spend more time with people that needed help or advice rather than doing interviews and trying to fill position, um, excuse me, positions. Um, but yeah, it's been great. People, you know, come from other pools and come from some of our competitors and saying, Hey, I heard you heard, I heard you had a training program. What do I have to do to get into it? And, you know, it's not even just within our company, it's citywide now. So it's been great. Wow. That's amazing. The The power is in those numbers. We definitely can't compete with that. That's great. And you'd mentioned, I think you actually tallied it up and it was around 15,000 in savings. Yeah. That's yeah. The estimate in addition to, you know, just the, the numbers of less interviews and your time saved. I mean, that's, that's crazy. 88% retention from 40 to 60. So nuts. Um, well, you know, what are the takeaways that everyone listening should have? What do you want us all to know to, to get your 88% retention rate? Um, you know, everybody, we obviously have a season, we have the summer season, but every company has a season and it's, how do you motivate your people through that season? And, the or the example I gave before, like retail over Christmas, you know, that's your season. It's going to be a little rough and you're going to go into Valentine's Day and you're going to kind of settle down a little bit. Um, but even, you know, construction companies, you're going to have your season and it's going to be summer and what are you doing to fix it? But we have found the most positive results with just spending time with people, asking them questions, you know, send an email that says, thank you, just because you can, and because you have a minute. Um, we literally have the task of onboarding 300 new people every single year and, you know, help them through their paperwork, take the time to do whatever you need to do to make them feel special, answer their question. Don't just send a two word email back to them and say, yep, fine. You say, you know that you did a really good job on that. That's great. That's perfect. Whatever it may be. Um, definitely just be personal. Don't be afraid to ask, you know, do you have any brothers and sisters? How are they? Are they in school? Do you have a dog? What's your dog's name? And it seems really silly, but for people that you see every day and you don't know that they had, um, you know, a dog or a cat at home, if they don't have pictures on their desk, it kind of means something for them because that's a part of their family too. Um, just one example, but um, yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, do these things consistently. Don't just, you know, come from this training and the next three weeks, um, you go back to the office and say, okay, well, I'm going to do this, you know, write yourself in your calendar and your planner, put a notification or set an alarm on your phone, send a quick email or hold a 10, 10 with somebody or, um, buy somebody a coffee and sit and chat for half an hour. It's, we, we're all busy and this stuff does take time, but once you get um, the ball rolling, it really does get pretty easy from there. I love it. So, you know, just to summarize, be consistent. I think that's wonderful. And it sounds like you just deeply care so much and we can all do more of that. Um, then I love, I love know when your season is. And you mentioned some examples of traditional business, but I would challenge anyone listening um, even if you're in something that you might not think applies, I dare you to think about, you know, what is the season you have? When's your busy rush? And it might be, 
very frequent at that end or that climax of each sprint you're doing, um, or it could be just once a year as, as Chelsea has kind of given us the example, but definitely know what that is and know when it's time to really get down and, and motivate your team. I think that's so wonderful. If anyone wants to learn more about your training program or stay in touch with you, we added your LinkedIn and your company's website to the comments. Anything else to, to add from you? Um, I think that about sums it up, but definitely feel free to contact me anytime. Um, my email address should be on our company website. I can also add it to the comments. My LinkedIn page is always open for anybody. Um, but yeah, definitely consider training programs in your company because they've been great for us. Well, thank you so much for your time, Chelsea. If you all are interested in learning more, follow our Facebook group or check us out at getmarlow.com. So thank you again, Chelsea, and goodbye, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. We're on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Head over to levelingup.co to join our newsletter and to find past episodes. 